Good morning and welcome to our Bible class. We are grateful for your presence. We're thankful for the opportunity to be together. And I would invite you to turn in your Bibles to the book of Hebrews. We're going to be looking today at Hebrews chapter 12. And specifically, we want to look at verses 1 through 3 in our study together. We are grateful for the presence of each of you. And it is our prayer that our time spent together today will be profitable. We're grateful for each and every family that is represented here, for your presence and for the contributions that you have made to the work here in days gone by. Somebody told me just a minute ago that uh, one of our members didn't sleep at all last night because they dreamed or they uh, thought I was going to show up in a white corduroy suit. And I guess my thinking is, I don't know what I've worn in the past to give uh, any kind of uh, indication that I might show up in a white corduroy suit, but uh, I told him I was planning to change before worship today. So, let's look at uh, the 12th chapter of the book of Hebrews for just a moment. The book of Hebrews was penned to Hebrew Christians, some of whom we're on the verge of going back to Judaism. Some may have already lapsed back into Judaism. And so the writer here is basically stressing the superiority of the law of Christ to the law of Moses. And I guess in short, the idea is why would you want to go back to the law of Moses in light of this new law that, as the Hebrew writer said, is a better covenant. It was established on better promises. And so in chapter 12, the writer encourages us in a very special way. As a matter of fact, I guess you could say he encourages saints of all ages to literally stay in the race. And those of us that have obeyed the gospel, we understand that we are involved in the Christian race. And uh, I have said it before and believe it to be the case that Christianity is not a sprint, but rather it is a marathon. And so the idea is that once we begin the race, we have to finish the course, as Paul said in 2 Timothy chapter 4. But let's look at uh, chapter 12 for just a moment. I want us to think about this idea of staying in the race because... As Christians, you and I, we live in a, in a world today that is somewhat transitory. And there was a day and time in our country when people would move into a location or they were born into a specific area, a specific geographical location, and they stayed there for the better part of their lives. Well, today people are very transit and they move from time to time. I remember when Nancy and I first got married. I guess we probably lived in four, five, six different places in a very short period of time. We've lived now in the city of Memphis for about 17, almost 18 years. And uh, so we have been privileged to stay in one place for a number of years. But people today, typically speaking, move about. Well, you may have had a part in the founding, so to speak, of this congregation. You may have been here on the front end. It may have been the case that you were here uh, after the church began. But whatever the case, wherever you are today, the emphasis is still the same. That is, 
we have to stay in the race. We have to stay faithful to the Lord. And so look at Hebrews chapter 12. The first thing that the writer encourages us to do is to look back at the saints of old. Look at verse 1, if you would. In verse 1, the writer said, Therefore, we also, since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, let us lay aside every weight and the sin which so easily ensnares us, and let us run with endurance or patience the race that is set before us. Now, the Hebrew writer here is basically calling our attention to this great gallery of people that are spoken of in chapter 11. Sometimes we refer to it as Faye's Hall of Fame. And just look back at uh, chapter 11 for a moment. In chapter 11, we read of men and women whose lives were adorned by trust or faith in God. We think about Faye's Hall of Fame. Individuals who demonstrated faith and obedience to God in heaven. What about some of these people that we read about in the 11th chapter of the book of Hebrews? Well, we think about individuals like Abel, Enoch, Noah, Abraham, Sarah. We're reminded of Joseph. We think about uh, such people as David, Moses, and others. Individuals whose lives were remarkable. Now, they were not flawless, but uh, nonetheless, they were people of faith. And they lived in such a way so that they brought honor and glory to God in heaven. But think for a moment about some of these individuals, some of these saints in the past. And uh, as we look at these, I'm reminded of uh, the efforts that many of you have expended for the cause of Christ down through the years. There are some of you here today that helped to lay the foundation for this work. And because of you and your contributions and your efforts in the cause of Christ, this congregation is a part of this community. And this congregation today has the opportunity to continue being a light in this area. And I think that's, uh, that's something to be thankful for that because of your efforts. And so we look back, we think about saints that have contributed to the work here. And we give God thanks for your efforts. But look, first of all, we read about this man named Abel. Abel was a man who worshipped by faith. The Bible says in verse 4, By faith Abel offered to God a more excellent sacrifice than Cain, through which he obtained witness, that he was righteous, God testifying of his gifts. And through it, he being dead, still speaks. Abel was quite an individual. He made some choices in his life to worship God according uh, to uh, the way that God had instructed. And so even though Abel has been dead for centuries, for generations... The Bible says that he being dead still speaks. I'm reminded of individuals that I've known in days gone by, good people that lived by faith. They worshiped God on a regular basis. Every time the doors were open, they were literally in the building. And their life continues to speak to me today. 
Many years ago, when I lived in Chattanooga, as a matter, as a matter of fact, I, I grew up in Chattanooga, and two doors down from me, uh, a couple of my best friends lived. And their father was an elder in the Lord's Church, and he died about two years ago. And I think about him, and I think about his life, and uh, his worship, his devotion to God, and I'm reminded on a regular basis of how much I would like to be like he of old. In other words, I would like to pattern my life after the way he lived. He was regular in his attendance, in his worship to Jehovah God. I think about visiting in their home on Sunday afternoons, and just about every Sunday afternoon, if I was present in their home, uh, his wife would say to me, Mike, come go to church with us tonight. And that, that was just a regular part of their life. And so we think about Abel, a man who worshipped by God. But then also we think about Enoch. Enoch was a man who walked by faith. Look at verse 5. By faith, Enoch was translated so that he did not see death and was not found because God had translated him. For before his translation, he had this testimony that he pleased God. Genesis tells us in chapter 5 that Enoch walked with God. In other words, here was a man whose life was lived in harmony with the will of God. Think about us today. Are we walking with God? Do we have a daily relationship with the Lord? I'm reminded of the psalmist of old who meditated on the law of Jehovah both day and night. One of the great things about the Bible is it helps to draw us near to the throne of God. In other words, it enables us to develop a greater relationship with the Lord. There are a lot of things that you and I can learn about God by looking at nature. The Bible says, The heavens declare the glory of God, the firmament showeth his handiwork in Psalm 19.1. When we talk about Christian evidences, one of the evidences of, of God is creation. But in order for us to more fully know about God, we have to have what? We have to have revelation. And so we have revelation from Jehovah God. The Bible is what tells us about the nature, the character of our God in heaven. And so we strengthen our walk with the Lord by spending time in His Word. You know, Paul said in 2 Timothy chapter 3, verse 16, that all Scripture is given by the inspiration of God. And then he said, it is profitable. The Word of God profits us if we spend time in it. But then there's a third thing that I want to call your attention to as we think about this great gallery of people in days gone by. And that is, think about Noah. Look at verse 7. In verse 7, we read about a man who worked by faith. By faith, Noah, being divinely warned of things not seen, moved with godly fear, prepared an ark for the saving of his household, by which he condemned the world and became heir of the righteousness which is according to faith. Back in Genesis chapter 6, we read of the wickedness of the world during the days of Noah. And so God told Noah that he was going to destroy the world by means of a flood. Verse 14, God said to Noah, 
build an ark of gopher wood. Now Moses tells us that God set forth the dimensions of that ark. The very last verse in chapter 6, Moses records these words. Thus did Noah according to all God commanded him. So did he. Here was a man that worked by faith. God had said, I'm going to destroy the world. Now what you need to do is build an ark for the saving of your household. And Noah complied with that. I believe that work today, our work in the kingdom is an expression of our faith to God. Sometimes we talk about our Christian works. And we know that there are two different types of works spoken of in the Bible. There are works that do not save, based on Ephesians 2, 8, and 9. And then there are those works that do save. Paul said in Ephesians 2, at verse 10, that we have been created in Christ Jesus unto good works. The works that you and I engage in for the cause of Christ, why do we do those things? In other words, why do we go out and, and engage in benevolent activities? Why teach the lost? Why reclaim those who are erring Christians? Well, because we want to bring honor and glory to God. Jesus said in Matthew 5, 16, Let your light so shine before men that they may see your good works and glorify your Father which is in heaven. As we look back at the saints and as we think about these individuals who trusted in the Lord, let me call your attention to another thing found in chapter 11. And that is the trials that these people experienced. Look at verse 36. In Hebrews chapter 11, verse 36, the writer brings to mind some of the trials that these individuals experienced in their walk with God. Look at verse 36. Still others had trial of mockings and scourgings, yes, and of chains and imprisonment. They were stoned, they were sawn in two, were tempted, were slain with the sword. They wandered about in sheepskins and goatskins, being destitute, afflicted, tormented, of whom the world was not worthy. They wandered in deserts and mountains, in dens and caves of the earth. And all these, having obtained a good testimony through faith, did not receive the promise, God having provided something better for us, that they should not be made perfect apart from us. We live today in a world that is replete with human suffering. Sometimes individuals have the idea that if they become a follower of God, that all of their problems are somehow going to disappear. They're going to go away. When you look back at the saints of days gone by, you see that they experienced any number of trials and temptations. And I think there's a lesson there for us. That those of us that belong to the family of God just because we are Christians, just, be, just because we serve the Lord Jesus Christ does not make us immune to the various problems that are in life. James talks about it in James chapter 1 of how we are to count it all joy when we fall into manifold trials. Now, I'm not so sure that I've reached that point in my spiritual life that I can look at trials in a joyful manner. Now, I do see that there are some by 
to experiencing trials in this life. We face a plethora of trials and tribulations. There are trials that are outward in nature. What kind of trials are we talking about? Well, everything from sickness, illness, disease, financial setbacks, loss of job, any number of things. And then there are those inward temptations that are common to all people. That is, those temptations that come about as the result of the work of Satan. But we'll talk in just a moment about how we should view these trials in just a moment. Uh, And we'll look at James chapter 1. But then there's another characteristic that I think these saints of old bore. Look back at verse 13 now. In verse 13, we read of their trust. We bring to mind the great trials that they faced in life. The Hebrew writer speaks of how they were tormented. But now I want you to note their triumph. In verse 13, well, before we read verse 13, look back again at verse 4. Verse 4, we noted Abel a moment ago. The Bible says, by faith, Abel. Now look at verse 5, by faith, Enoch. Look at verse 7, by faith, Noah. Look at verse 8, by faith, Abraham. Verse 11, by faith, Sarah. Now look at verse 13. Here were people that lived by what? They lived by faith. Now verse 13, these all died in faith. You see, we live in faith. We live by faith. But our desire, our goal is to die in faith. That is, we want to die in a right relationship with the Lord. Look, if you would, at verse 13. These all died in faith, not having received the promises, but having seen them afar off, were assured of them, embraced them, and confessed that they were strangers and pilgrims on the earth. For those who say such things declare plainly that they seek a homeland. For those or rather verse 15, and truly if they had called to mind that country from which they had come out, they would have had opportunity to return. But now they desire a better, that is, a heavenly country. Therefore God is not ashamed to be called their God, for he has prepared a city for them. So as we look back to these saints of old, we remind ourselves that there are that their lives ultimately ended in triumph. That is, as the writer said, they died in faith. What about us today? Are we living by faith? Sometimes we sing the song, living by faith. But more importantly, will we die in faith? But then there's a second thing I would call your attention to as we look at Hebrews chapter 12. First of all, we look back at the saints But then we are to look inward at ourselves. That is, we need to look internally at self. What is the goal of every believer? I think the goal is quite simple. That is, we want to persevere. We want to demonstrate a persevering spirit as we live the Christian life. So this has to do with our Christian training. Now, there's an interesting passage found over in the book of uh, 1 Timothy. Look at 1 Timothy chapter 4 for a moment. 
Look at 1 Timothy chapter 4. In verse 7, Paul said, Exercise yourself rather to godliness. For bodily exercise profits a little. But godliness is profitable for all things. Having promise of the life that now is and of that which is to come. One of the things that you and I have to do, if we're going to stay in the race, we have to be spiritually fit. We have to exercise ourselves unto godliness. That's what Paul said. Now in so doing, what's accomplished? Well, we build spiritual muscles. Why do you go to the gym? Why do you run? Why do you jog? Why do aerobics? Why lift weights? Why engage in exercise on a regular basis? Because you want to do what? You want to strengthen your body, don't you? You want to try to build up that cardiovascular system. Well, in a spiritual way, we need to exercise ourselves unto godliness. Now, we do that by spending time in, in the Word, as we said a moment ago. We do that by worshiping the Lord on a regular basis. And then thirdly, we do that by being involved in the work of God. But now the Hebrew writer tells us in a very specific way in verse 1 that first of all, we need to eliminate some things. When I think about eliminating some things, I think about those various obstacles that we may face in life. Look again at verse 1. The writer said, therefore, we also, since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, let us lay aside every weight and the sin which so easily ensnares us. So there are some things that we need to lay to the side. That would be anything that would uh, be uh, a cumbrance on our Christian lives. Whatever would encumber us, in other words... Anything that would, that would weigh us down, that would be viewed as an obstacle, we need to lay it to the side. As the Hebrew writer said, we need to eliminate it from our lives. And so, first of all, we need to eliminate some things. And then in the second place, the writer says we need to be dedicated. That is, we need uh, to be dedicated to overcoming these various obstacles. Look again at verse 1. Therefore we also, since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, let us lay aside every weight, the sin which so easily ensnares us, and let us run with endurance or patience, perseverance, the race that is set before us. So we are encouraged uh, to run with perseverance to run with endurance this race that has been set before us. Now, I don't know what kind of obstacles may stand between you and your ultimate goal of heaven. But I know one thing, all of us face any number of obstacles in this life. Now, the question is, how are we going to overcome? What are we going to do to ultimately achieve our objective? Our objective is what? It's to go to heaven. Well, how are we going to do that? Well, we've got to lay aside some things. We've got to put to the side anything that would hinder our relationship to the Lord. 
It might have to do with our associations. It might have to do with our affections. It might have to do with uh, some of the things that we engage in. Whatever it is, whatever stands in our way of going to heaven, we need to lay it to the side. And then there must be this intense dedication to serve the Lord. Let me call your attention to a familiar passage of Scripture. Look back to the book of Matthew. Look at Matthew chapter 6 for a moment. In Matthew chapter 6, verse 33, here's what Jesus said. But seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things shall be added to you. The term first there simply means in time, in place, in order of importance. What we have to do is understand that Christianity must be preeminent or paramount in our lives. There are going to be some obstacles in this life. There are going to be some distractions along the way. But what we want to do is develop a heavenly mindset. And we want to keep before our minds this ultimate objective, and that is going to heaven. Now with that in mind, turn over, if you would, to the book of Philippians. Look at Philippians chapter 3, if you would. In Philippians chapter 3, verse 19, the Apostle Paul speaks of some who set their mind on earthly things. Now, here's the challenge. Are we going to be earthly-minded or heavenly-minded? If we understand that there are obstacles along the road of life, and that what we want to do is overcome, then we will develop a heavenly mindset. Some people, they have an earthly mind. Paul talks about setting our affection on things above in the Colossian letter. But now look at verse 20. Paul writes, But our, or for our citizenship, is in heaven, from which we also eagerly wait for the Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ who will transform our lowly body, that it may be conformed to his glorious body, according to the working by which he himself is even able to subdue all things to himself. So the idea is to develop a heavenly mindset, to recognize that our citizenship is in heaven. Now, we're citizens of what? We're citizens of the United States of America. And we've been blessed immeasurably to be citizens in this great country. But more importantly, because we have obeyed the gospel and because we belong to the Lord, we have a citizenship, a commonwealth in heaven. But then there's a third thing I would call your attention to in our text before our time is out. First of all, we look backward. And then secondly, we look inward. And then thirdly, we look upward. To whom are we to look? We are to look at the Savior. Look now at verse 2. Looking unto Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and has sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. 
For consider him who endured such hostility from sinners against himself, lest you become weary and discouraged in your souls. A couple of things here. First of all, we have before us a glorious pattern. That is Jesus Christ. Let me just pause here and ask this question. Do you ever become discouraged? Do you ever get despondent in life? Are you ever dissatisfied with the way things are moving in your life? Well, you're human, aren't you? Sure you are. And because we are human beings, because we, have, because we live in a world that is replete with suffering and sorrows and heartaches, it's very easy for us to get discouraged, to become weary. And so the Hebrew writer here, in an effort to encourage these people that had obeyed the gospel to stay in the race, gives them a great and glorious pattern. That is Jesus Christ, who was the master teacher. Now let's just think for a moment about how he endured. Let's think a moment about his persevering spirit. Now the writer said, Therefore we also, since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, let us lay aside every weight and the sin which so easily ensnares us, and let us run with endurance the race that is set before us. Now verse 2. Looking unto Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and has sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. Before you give up, when you get to thinking that life is tumbling in and that your life is just filled with sorrows and heartache, I want you to think about Christ. Because the writer here said that we need to look to whom? To Jesus. He is the originator of the Christian faith. And the Bible says that when he went to the cross, there was joy before him. I think the joy was in recognizing what the cross would accomplish regarding the scheme of redemption. Jesus would go to the cross. He would suffer immensely. But in so doing, he would accomplish, he would affect salvation for the human family. We're reminded of his suffering, his shame. Peter talks about in 1 Peter chapter 2 how Christ bore our sins in his body on the tree. In chapter 1 of that same book, he talks about how we have been redeemed, not by corruptible things, but by incorruptible, by the blood of Christ. And so Jesus literally went to the cross with us in mind. And so he endured. And because of his endurance, he is set forth as a supreme example to those of us who are in the Christian faith today. Now let's, let's look again at verse 3. In verse 3, the writer said, For consider him, that is, consider Christ. Consider him who endured such hostility from sinners against himself, lest you become weary and discouraged in your souls. 
All right, in order for us to achieve, to achieve our objective of heaven, what is the one trait that we need? What is that one overriding trait that will ultimately see us through? Well, let's look at James chapter 1 for a moment. Look at James chapter 1, verse 2. In verse 2, James said, My brethren, count it all joy when you fall into manifold trials, into various trials, knowing that the testing of your faith produces patience or endurance, perseverance. But let patience have its perfect work, that you may be perfect or mature and complete, lacking nothing. What is it that you and I need to victoriously live in this life? Let me tell you what it is. We need to have a persevering spirit. If you don't think that there are bumps along the road of life, then you're not living in the world in which I'm a part of. There are any number of bumps. And those bumps are in the physical realm, and they are in the spiritual realm. Now drop down, if you would, to verse 13. We talk about those trials and those temptations common to all people. James said, let no one say when he is tempted, I'm tempted of God. For God cannot be tempted with evil, nor does he himself tempt anyone. But each one is tempted when he is drawn away by his own desires and enticed. Then when desire has conceived, it gives birth to sin. And sin, and, when, and sin, when it is full grown, brings forth death. Now look at verse 16. Do not be deceived, my beloved brethren. What's James saying? He's saying that as members of the human family, as God's people, we're going to face some outward trials in life. Not only are we going to face outward trials, but we're going to experience inward temptations. They're coming our way. So what we need to do, arm ourselves, don't be deceived. Now look at verse 12. In light of these outward and inward trials and temptations, here's what James said. Blessed is the man who what? Who endures, who perseveres, who has patience. Blessed is the man who endures temptation, for when he has been proved or tried, he will receive the crown of life, which the Lord has promised to those who, who love him. Now go back to Hebrews chapter 12, verse 3, very quickly. In verse 3, the writer said, Consider him, that is, consider Christ, who endured such hostility from sinners against himself, lest you become weary and discouraged in your souls. You ever think about giving up? You ever think about just throwing in the towel, walking away from it all? Again, you're human, aren't you? All of us. We're human beings. The Bible says, speaking of God, He knoweth our frame. He remembereth that we're dust. God knows us. And God knows that as members of the human family, it's very easy for us to become weary and discouraged in life. And yes, even in the Christian life. So the writer is saying, listen, the next time you think about giving up, look at Christ. Think about how He persevered. Think about how He endured. Arm yourselves, arm yourselves with that mindset and gain the victory. As James said, blessed is the man that endures temptation, for when he has been tried, he shall receive the crown of life which the Lord has promised.
to them that love him. May God bless us with the willingness, with the heart, to stay in the race. Thank you so much.